Welcome to How Do You Write? I'm your host, Rachel Heron. On this podcast, I talk to authors about how they write, what their process is, and how their lives fit together. I'll keep each episode short so you can get back to writing. Hi, writers. Welcome to episode number 33. Today's guest is Lisa Marie Rollins and... I love all the guests I get on the show. I always get a great interview because I invite fabulous people. Um, I try really hard to do that. But every once in a while, there's somebody on the show that really, really just inspires me, kind of blasts me out of my own space and into another one, thinking about what I could do, what I should do, what I want to do, um, what excites me about this writing gig. And um, she did that for me. So... That is super exciting. I know that you're going to enjoy that interview. So um, please look forward to that. In a little bit of update on me, I did indeed start the thriller. I'm about, I think, 5,000 words in. So I'm exactly at the best place because I don't know what's happening. I don't know what's going to happen. Um, I have all these great ideas and I haven't fucked them up yet, uh, which is a fantastic place to be when you're a writer. Dozy, you have to get off my lap. There we go. And that has been fun. Um, I have come to another realization. I come to many realizations. You will realize I'm constantly tweaking process. That's my jam. You know, that's why I have this podcast. I'm always thinking about process and about how we get our words done. And I have been really struggling with time management. I've, I told you that I've started to track it, started to watch where I spend my time, how I work. And it just hit me this weekend that, um, oh my gosh, the reason I can't have every day the same in a routine um, like I guess I was used to in my old job. I just realized that right now talking to you that 17 years at 911 taught me one thing that there is rigidity and regularity. And, uh, in my last job in particular, I, for the last five years of my day job, I slept at the firehouse for 48 hours. We had rigid sleep schedules that we stuck to, too. you know, two hour nap here, four hour nap there. Um, everything was always done at the same time, the same place. We ate the same things. We, it was just so regimented, you know, it's paramilitary. And now I don't have that. And I think it took a number of months for me to kind of like shake that off and get into my groove. And now that I'm into my groove, I find I'm super groovy and I'm trying to rein it back in. Um, and that was my realization this weekend is that the reason my days aren't rigid is that my days aren't rigid. They change. Every week is different. Every day of that week is different. And um, I'm moving into a place of just completely embracing that. Uh, today, the day that I am recording this is January 31st. And it just so happened that I got four podcast interviews lined up for today. It's just when everybody could do it. Um, sometimes I'm running at the very last minute and I record a podcast interview right before I post it. Uh, most of the time I try to have a few stacked just in case. And uh, so today I'm um, doing creative things for those of you who watch on the video, like I'm changing my sweaters and my scarf and I'm going to put in earrings later for the next guest so that maybe someday in the future you will be fooled into thinking I am doing these every week <laughs> instead of stacking them. Um, but no, now you know the secret. But doing four interviews today 
meant that I got up at 6.30 to do my words. And I work at home. I don't have to get up at any set time. But I needed to get up at a set time today to do my 2,500 words to get them out of the way so that I can just do interviews all day, which is fantastic. Um, I'm accepting that. I'm wiggling my way into it. So uh, I don't know, just the image of me wiggling makes me happy right now. I'm, I'm, I'm having a good day, probably because I haven't looked at the news yet. Uh, I, I expect to look at Twitter this afternoon and be completely beside myself again. I was out at San Francisco airport this weekend protesting. Um, I went on Saturday, my wife went on Sunday and, um, I've just, there's just going to be a lot to protest people. Let's get our resisting boots on. Um, again, you know, my politics, if you don't like my politics, it's fine. See ya. Uh, said with love, what else? I am starting a class at Berkeley this week. Um, it is my first purely online class for Berkeley Extension. So that's super interesting. And I'm loving, hi Clementine, I'm loving the format that that is. I really like this Canvas platform. I think that it's just going to be super fun. I love the curriculum and I'm getting excited about that. I'm always a tiny bit nervous about starting anything new just because I'm human and I'm type A and I like to get things right. And when you start something new, you don't get things right all the time. Um, I'm very comfortable teaching in front of a class. I'm very comfortable teaching clients online. So I'm hoping that this will be kind of a marriage of teaching in the classroom setting and writing coaching, um, just kind of putting that all together and doing coaching on a group basis. So uh, I think it's going to be super fun. Excited about that. And now let's just jump into the interview because it's a little bit longer because we had a lot to say to each other. She is fabulous. Enjoy Lisa Marie and enjoy your writing and we'll talk soon. Hey, you're a writer. Did you know that I send out a free weekly email of writing encouragement? Go sign up for it at rachelherron.com slash write. And you'll also get my stop stalling and write PDF with helpful tips you can use today to get some of your own writing done. Okay, now on to the interview. All right. Well, I would like to welcome with a wholehearted welcome, Lisa Marie Rollins today. Hi, Lisa Marie. Hi, how are you doing, Rachel? I'm so good. I'm so glad to talk to you. Thank you for being here. Thanks for having me. Of course. I would love to give you a little introduction first. Your uh, bio is amazing. And listeners, this is actually called down to some salient points. Um, but it, it goes on and on. You should look at her website because it is amazing. Uh, Lisa Marie Rollins is a poet, playwright, theater director, and dramaturge. She was a Callaloo Journal London Writing Workshop Fellow, is an alumni in Poetry Avona Writing Workshop, and was a poet in residence at June Jordan's Poetry for the People at UC Berkeley. Her writing is published in Other Tongues, Mixed Race Women Speak Out, River, Blood, Corn Literary Journal, Line Break, As Us Literary Journal, The Pacific Review, and many others. Currently, she is finishing her new manuscript of poems, Compass, for which she received the 2016 Mary Tannenbaum Literary Award from San Francisco Foundation. Congratulations. Thank you. 
She is in development with her new play called Token and was a 2015-16 playwright member of Just Theater Play Lab in Berkeley. She holds graduate degrees, plural, from the Claremont Graduate University and UC Berkeley. She's currently a guest artist director at St. Mary's College in Performance Studies, a resident artist with Crowded Fire Theater, and a resident, an artist in residence at Brava Theater for Women in San Francisco. Damn! <laughs> Like, this it's is not busy. On, busy. This I'm is busy. not on the list of questions, but I would really love to ask you just like straight out of the gate, like, how do you balance? How do you balance that? Yeah, I think one of how do I balance? <laughs> do I balance? Um, I, you know, time management is a thing, and it's a skill that I've had to learn over the years, and particularly when I'm trying to guard my writing time. Mm -hmm. And I think that when there are busy times and there are times when my work outside my writing lulls. And so, um, and particularly in theater production, you know, we have like eight weeks of intense work that we're doing in order to get something up on a stage. And then it kind of relaxes if I'm directing. So I don't have to be there every night. The actors get to do all that work. <laughs> and so um, it's, uh, it's a useful, uh, I think, um, rise and lull so that I don't have to, I, I get different um, times when I have more time and then other times when my time is really tight or times when I can't write at all. So yeah, yeah it really, and for me, it, it, it um, it's becoming more and more clear to me that uh, making sure that time is carved out is really, really important as my schedule just gets busier and busier. But the um, Brava, I'll talk about this a little bit later, but the Brava artist in residence piece is about writing. So it's, mm. it's different. So yeah. um, it's not like it requires um, creative energy from me other than writing, which is great. It calls on a different part of the brain. That, yeah, that kind of exactly. thing. Yeah. So exactly. what is the best time of day for you to write when you're writing and where do you write? Uh, I write here right there? <laughs> in my living room. Um, it's crazy because I have an entire office. and um, But my office is dark and um, it's the second bedroom in my um, apartment. And so I, it, everything, there's like books and papers and teaching materials and there's an inspiration wall and there's all kinds of things in there. But when I wake up in the morning and I'm, doing like sort of my morning rituals, like my coffee and my meditation and my five minute free write and all those kinds of things. I, um, the light in the front room, it's like the sun is coming in here and it just makes me happy to be out here. So that's part of the reason why the living room, I just always end up at the kitchen table. So I keep trying to write in my office and it's never, it never works. I have this big, beautiful roll top desk and I, I literally check email on it and, and write Twitter. Like I have to exactly. either, I have to go to a cafe or I have to stand at my standing desk. I can't, I cannot write fiction right here. I just can't do it. So it's just, exactly. a, it's a brain thing. <laughs> I don't know why. I don't know why it's, it's, I've tried to figure it out and I've tried to, you know, like clean it up and remodel it and do all the things and organize. No. I'm looking yeah. over your shoulder right now and that room is really beautiful and light and gorgeous. So I can yeah. absolutely see that. And how, <laughs> how do you write? Uh, are you longhand on, do you start on the computer when in the morning, when I'm doing my first writing, um, 
I write longhand. Um, I That's did, the free write you mentioned, the five-minute free write? Yeah. I So I journaled for when I first, of course, when I was first writing, uh, <laughs> well, we, you know, personal computers were not a thing. And I know, so, me too. <laughs> and so it wasn't until university that I, you know, had a computer that was my own. Mm-hmm. And so we had computers in our home, but they belonged to my brother and he was like the tech person in the house. And so he had all the control over the computer. The, uh, so I grew up writing journals and uh, writing longhand. And for many, many years, that was the only way I wrote and with a typewriter. And um, so, and then I would say for about the past, maybe five, maybe even 10 years, most of my writing has been on the computer Mm -hmm. and I'm, I'm noticing that when I, and I began writing longhand again in the past year and I notice a difference, first of all, because I haven't done it in so long, but I think that my brain does something different when I'm writing longhand than when I'm writing on my computer. And I really do believe that it's like a head, heart, arm, hand thing. And there's something about the way that it, all of those things connect that and then also the slowing down and deliberate uh, wording, I think, that comes from my longhand work that allows me to I think writing on my computer for first drafts, sometimes there's a lot of brainstorming and extra, um, you know, like bullshit that I don't really need. You know, and so, uh, you know, so, so what happened? So I do it both ways because I do think that some of the brainstorming on my computer leads me, takes me down paths that I would have never gone down. Um, mm, but my, yeah, but my longhand um, work, it part of it is the meditation of the morning and being able to connect with myself and connect with the page and the pen. So it's become kind of a ritual to access, like get my creative juices going. And uh, yeah, so I I, I, I love that idea. It's like the morning pages, except not not prescribed for the, you know, the three longhand pages, which I don't have time to do and you don't have time to do. Exactly. It's actually my um, good friend, Susan Ito, who's an amazing um, and essay writer. Yeah. Yeah, If you haven't interviewed her. I haven't, but I would love to. Oh my gosh, all connected. Okay. So, um, but she's, uh, she has been doing this a monthly uh, prompts that are just one word and five minute free writes for a little while now. And I was doing it before, but having her uh, prompts really helps mm-hmm. because it's just one word and it's like swim or name or burn or, and sometimes I'm going with it and sometimes I'm not. And, but, and I just do it for five minutes. And if I feel like going longer, I will. But sometimes I really only have five minutes in the morning to do it. And it's actually helped me articulate things for longer uh, memoir pieces or essays that I'm considering or um, not so much poetry lately, though, which is interesting. But but that could yeah. change, too. That could, that, yeah. that could also. That's really, really yeah. cool. Thank you for sharing that. That's awesome. How do you refill the creative well when you're running dry? 
thing, uh, there's multiple ways. I, one of them is to go see other genres of art. I'm definitely a multidisciplinary artist, even though I'm a writer first, I still, um, I am a theater artist. Mm -hmm. I uh, am a director. So a lot of my work extends outside. It's still a literary art, um, but it's also performance. So I, I, I am, but I appreciate the narrative side of film and the visual side of film. So I, do a lot of work to make sure that I'm going out and seeing other kinds of art. Mm -hmm. And just because I get inspiration from so many different places. And it also helps me when I'm thinking about I'm struggling with structure or story, or if I'm trying to, you know, call myself doing something innovative, you know, like I can, uh, you know, it lets me experiment and say, Oh, this is an idea that I never thought about before you know, I should put a ladder in this thing and see what happens, you know? And so it, uh, I really get inspiration from, uh, other artwork. And then the other way, there are two other ways. And that also includes reading mm -hmm. other folks, uh, work. But, uh, the other way is really just to be in community with other writers. I find that, um, Sometimes just sitting around a table talking about the work that you're doing and the struggles that you're having, or if you're not having any struggles and you're just talking about, just talking about the project might inspire something or release a block that's mm -hmm. there. And just hearing what other people are doing keeps me inspired to write. So, you know, yeah. no one has ever said that on the show, I don't think. And I have never thought about that clearly, but that is definitely probably after reading, that's probably my number one way to refill my own creative wealth. That's Wow. What I absolutely need, and I'd never actually thought about it, but but I can actually feel myself drinking in that feeling. Like even right now, talking to you, like I just met you, but we're having <laughs> that moment, and this is also helping me refill my wealth. So absolutely. thank you for that. Absolutely. And, and oh, one yeah. more. Let me just yeah. say writing writing retreats, and that can yeah. also be in community or by myself. I do do like two person retreats a lot so that there's not a lot of like extraness and you guys can, you know, that me and the other person can just kind of make our own schedule, but even writing retreats where you're actually, you know, going and you're on, uh, you know, on a farm somewhere for a month, like that kind of thing as well. So definitely silence. My best friend just got back from a trailer in, uh, you know, up in Portland, like just, just a trailer on a piece oh of God. land, you know, she loved it. Yeah. <laughs> she was there for a week. So <laughs> What is the worst writing advice you've ever been given? I think you, when you sent me this question, I had to think about it for a really long <laughs> time uh, because I was like, there's no bad writing. Yeah, that's not true. Um, so I think the worst writing advice that I've been given is any, any advice where where I feel some kind of shame about my writing process. Mm. So, you know, this, I used to believe when I was younger about this notion of, you know, if you're not writing every day, if you're not, if you can't carve out time to, you know, ensure that, you know, you have your sacred time for writing, then you're just not really a writer. And, um, you know, if you can't prioritize it, it's like, you know, that tough love, you know, perspective. Mm -hmm. Of, um, you know, if you, if, you know, you're not committed, you know, if you can't car out this time. And I really struggled with that because it was one of the things that kept me from 
actually acknowledging and saying out loud, I am a writer because for many years, because I thought that the way that real writers did it was that they sat down every day, hunched over their computer for four hours and they got to like, you know, drink coffee and smoke cigarettes with their friends. And like, you know, that was all they did, you know, sit out in cafes and like talk about the political climate. And that was what they did. And that's how they proved themselves as writers by not doing anything else. And first as a multidisciplinary artist, but also as a person who acknowledges how all the aspects of my life inform myself as a writer, Um, my teaching work, my activist work, my racial positionality, uh, all of those things inform who I am. And if I'm not engaging with them on a regular basis, there's no way it's part of the filling of my creative well. And so this notion that I just have to be sitting all day and outputting without any kind of mental, spiritual, physical intake to me, I had to discover was not right for me. And, and also I think it's a privilege to be able to sit for four hours a day Mm -hmm. and not have any interruptions. And some of that I do think comes from, you know, that old school sensibility around scholars and writers Mm -hmm. who, you know, that that's what they do. And um, it's this solitude, uh, you know, uh, profession. But um, I, I had to really acknowledge that that didn't work for me. And uh, that it was bad advice for how I was going to be most productive. So I love that so much. I actually can feel right now listeners minds just blowing up with this like thinking about that idea of shame because we we do know that 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 prescribed you must write every day harms people um but i hadn't heard it said so clearly and so articulately thank you very much that's that's awesome awesome yeah thank you (laughs) what secret writing tip of awesomeness have you discovered the hard way uh this is going to sound completely opposite to what I just said. <laughs> Yay, I like but, that. I like that. <laughs> yeah, but it's the thing of um, carving out time any way you can. Mm. So it, it might not be your three hours of concentrated work, but perhaps it's, uh, you know, a half an hour and that's all you get. And or maybe it's only two hours for the whole week Mm -hmm. because you have so many other obligations and your children are needing to go to practice or whatever the things that, um, you know, your your obligations and your commitments outside of your writing work. I think that finding any time um, to write. And then I also think. um, um, Experimenting with genre is useful. Mm. I think, you know, this, uh, I do believe that when we practice and stay in our genre, we get better and better. And, you know, that's how we become professionals. I do believe in that focused, um, um, you know, alignment with yourself and your work. But Mm. I also 
believe that when you are stuck or you need inspiration experimenting, if you're a fiction writer experimenting with poetry or experimenting with writing a play or, you know, there's going to be different, um, like brain things that get pulled Mm -hmm. and released that you might not have had before. And, um, so for me, I, I, I offer that, but I also think that that was one of the best pieces of advice was like, well, maybe you should try, you know, working, um, you know, writing science fiction or something like that. And mm-hmm. that, and, and then of course I'm like, have a science fiction novel that I'm like, I can do it, but you know, <laughs> like, plays and poetry, <laughs> you know, so, um, <laughs> but I do think the experimentation of it, um, was really, really helpful in my own process. That makes so much sense. I always really like to encourage students and by doing so myself to um, go toward the thing that you think you can't do. Like when you say science fiction novel, my first reaction is, hell no, I cannot ever write. I don't, I don't even read them. But then my second thought is always like, well, but maybe, you know, maybe this is, this is what I should be doing. So that's fantastic. Can you give us a quick craft tip of any sort at all? Craft tip. This one I had to think about too. I think about a lot of my favorite writing exercises. I do a lot of listing exercises. How so? I, what, what kind of list? Um, there's a great book. Oh gosh, I should have prepared for this moment. Um, there's a great book. Uh, you know, what, think, if you could send it to me later, I'll put it in the show. I will send it to you. I think Perfect. it's the poet's workbook, but I can't. I can't exactly remember. It's a purple cover. Um, but there's this great exercise in there. Um, uh, I can't remember who wrote it either, but it's called, it's about, it's called six things and it's a listing exercise where you list, um, it asks you to think about a moment in time. It, so you write six moments. You, it asks you to think about, um, six towns that you've lived in. So you write those down. It asks you to think about six people or six places in that town, you know, or then sensory memories within that. And then, mm-hmm. Um, after you do all of those things, you know, sight, smell, sound, taste, you go back and select one thing and then attempt to write a poem with all of those things oh, in each one thing from each category. That's really cool. Yeah, it's one of my favorites. And um, because it releases me from having to invent something uh-huh. and but also allows me to generate multiple things so that even if I'm not writing, I, something might be written down that I don't attempt that day, I can go back and look at my notes and say, oh, here's a prompt that I actually never played with. Let me do some work. Because you're kind of coming at it sideways, this kind of yeah. sneaky side door, which is not so intimidating. That's fantastic. Exactly. I will I will list that book. Um, on really bad days, when you couldn't write, teach, do anything with words, what other profession do you wish you had? That, yeah, <laughs> this one's funny. Uh, <laughs> Um, I, I would want to be, I never wanted to be like a lead singer in a band. I always wanted to be a backup singer. I always wanted to be like the dancer on the side in a reggae band where I could sit there and like do my little dance and like sing harmony. And, but I'd be able to go to like all the, you know, concerts and all the festivals and all that stuff, but I wouldn't have the pressure. That sounds awesome. The lead singer. So I always wanted to be a backup singer so I could just like hang out, you know, be a rock star but I'm not really have the good you know. bathrooms in the backstage exactly. yeah yeah exactly. exactly so that's what I that's what I used to want to do that's when I would used to be able to sing so that's, a, that's an excellent answer and I bet you can still sing 
you know. I know. I know. The voice goes after a while. If you were starting over as a new writer right now, what what advice would you give baby Lisa Marie? Uh to claim myself as a writer much sooner mm-hmm. and to uh, not be afraid of my own ambition and not be afraid of asserting, they're all connected, not be afraid of asserting myself. I mean, there it's really all around fear, I think, is to push myself to, um, to push past fear and not be afraid that people are going to see me as a loud mouth or having too many opinions. I think that as women, we definitely get told that our voices don't matter. And particularly as women of color, we get told that our voices don't matter. And, you know, from multiple angles, from family, from friends, from um, church, from community, all of those things until you, you know, age and create your own community of the folks that aren't doing that. But um, I think that, for me to trust my voice and to assert my voice, those would be the two things that I would have told baby Lisa a long time ago. Just don't worry about what people are going to think because I you have, I had this fear that like people don't really want to hear what I have to say. They don't really, but that that's not true. People really do right. want to hear what other people have to say. And there's, I think of it also in relationship to my university teaching and the multiple times that I have had students come to me and say, this is the first time I've ever had a black woman professor. This is the first time I'm black and Filipino, but the uh-huh. first time I've ever had a woman of color professor. Yeah. And so to me, that right there is like, oh, I, I have not that I have to, but this is part of the work of um, showing up and sharing my voice because people um, want to hear it, but they also need to hear it so they can figure out how to share their voices too. I am so happy to be hearing your voice and putting it on the air. I'm so pleased about that. What would you like to plug right now? What would you like to tell us about? Where can we find you online? Uh, you can find me on Twitter uh, at Third Root Prud, which is short for Productions P R O D. Okay. Third Root P R O D. Um, I have a my old website, which is birthproject.wordpress.com. I'm re- developing a new one. Um, that one's been there for many, many years, and um, it's time just to revamp it a little bit because my work has changed so much. Mm-hmm. But uh, so. Uh, as you mentioned at the beginning, my uh, I'm a resident artist at Brava Theater for Women in San Francisco, and one of the projects that I'm working on is a collaborative project between me and uh, Susan Ito, and we she a while ago wrote a piece in a a narrative memoir piece in a anthology called Untold Stories: Love, Life, Reproduction. And it's an anthology of stories from women um, across the United States who are talking about their experiences with reproduction with um, or uh, or, you know, not having children or having children or being queer and having children or um, having late term abortions or not having access to abortions. There's a lot of um, different narratives in the book. And we were um, 
we this project that we're doing is a project that's in collaboration with the publishers of that book, Sea Change Project, which is a reproductive justice organization in Oakland. So and awesome. they are asking us to create a play, write a play based on the narratives of the women in the book. And so that project will be shown, uh, there'll be a staged reading sometime this year. It'll either be around um, April or May, or it'll be in the fall. We're still um, negotiating our dates right now, but I would encourage people to look for that. It's a, it'll be called, the play is just called Untold, and it will feature these women and men and trans folks' uh, narratives. And it also will, uh, so it's going to have a huge variety of whoever it is, the casting, but it's going to be a staged reading and then there'll be a full production later on. But that's the biggest project that I'm working on right now is that project through Brava and Sea Change. That is super exciting. And I will definitely come to that because that is right up my alley. And maybe yeah. I could meet Susan Ito too, <laughs> as well yeah, as you in probably. person. So. <laughs> <laughs> Well, it has been such a pleasure talking to you, Lisa Marie. Thank you for sharing your time and your day and your work with us. And I wish you happy writing and a, and a great day. Thank you so much. You Thanks. too. All I right. appreciate you having me. Of course. Take care. Bye. Bye. Thanks so much for joining me on this episode of How Do You Write? You can reach me on Twitter, Rachel Heron, or at my website, rachelheron.com. You can also support me on Patreon and get essays on living your creative life for as little as a buck an essay at patreon.com slash Rachel, spelled R-A-C-H-A-E-L. And do sign up for my free weekly newsletter of encouragement to writers at rachelheron.com slash write. Now go to your desk and create your own process. Get to writing, my friends.